This is an ABC podcast. Dating can cost a lot, even just emotionally speaking, let alone financially. And it's getting worse, financially, anyway. I do feel that if you are fully dating, like quite actively dating, you're probably going on a couple of dates per week and that can start to rack up expenses. Aussies are spending $70 before the date even begins and then $85 on the date itself. That's a lot of cash. But that's an average number and this is a pineapple project where we all aim to be spending way below average on everything we do. So my question, can we do frugal dating? And can we do it successfully? I'm Nazim Hussain and this is The Pineapple Project. Here's Matthew Bowen from ING. They've done some research into what Aussies spend on dates. The story really is that we've seen the cost of dating really explode over the past five years. And it seems like first dates are where the most damage is done. On average, when it comes to first dates, people are spending just under $70 in preparation for the date. So there's a couple of different costs when when you think about dating. There's obviously getting ready for the date, which includes, you know, potentially hair, makeup, manis, petties, a new shirt, um, making sure that you're you're looking good for hopefully what will be the love of your life. And then when it comes to the actual, the date itself, uh, it's just under $85 is what we're seeing uh, from a data perspective is the average cost of a first date across Australia. The financial toll does add up because you probably wouldn't be going to a bar and drinking 50 bucks worth of alcohol or whatever and like then getting a meal and then getting an Uber there and back. That's Melissa Mason. She writes for Grazia, Elle and others and she's kind of a dating expert. I think you don't realise you're spending until you notice the drain in your bank account because you sort of, I don't think we look at dates as a financial toll. I think we're looking at them more as like, we're so nervous about whether we're going to like the person, if yeah. they'll like us and all of that stuff that we don't think as much about how much we're spending each week on these dates. Finding love's expensive. Filling yeah. that hole in your heart creates a hole in your wallet. Oh, that's oh, smooth. What that's, a line. That's your line for the episode. It's a hallmark card. <laughs> look, I had an ex and in the early days, look, I think this should have been the red flag for the whole relationship, to be honest. There's a difference, I think, between being frugal but putting thought into it and just being lazy. And so what would happen was he would just start inviting me over to his house and he would, like, cook dinner, but it was always, like, that weird sort of single early 20s man-type dinner. What, noodles (laughs) and sausages? No, it would be something like a block of nondescript tasty (laughs) cheese, just a big block that's been sitting in the fridge for a long time. And then he'd make, like toasties. Mm. Um, Another time, yes, we did have noodles. We'd have like sort of stir fry out of the packet. It was just never like any real thought or effort put into it. All right, so (laughs) can you date frugally or does that just come across like being a tight ass? No, you absolutely can. The important factor is that thought has gone into it and thought for the other person. Can I tell you a story about a friend who... Mm -hmm. Yes. Is extremely frugal, but tried to pass it off as not being extremely frugal. <laughs> he started, <laughs> he met a girl in a dating app and he's like, hey, um, remember back when we were kids and you'd go to 7 Eleven and you'd just buy lollies from 7 Eleven and you'd walk home and just eat those lollies and life was great? How about we do that? And she was like, oh my God, that sounds so cute. And, you know, like we're reliving our childhood. So they literally met at 7 Eleven bought a takeaway coffee each and some lollies and they just walked down the main road. (laughs) 
And then that was that was the date. I love that date. <laughs> oh they're the kinds of dates that I like. I mean, you know, obviously you're saying that he created that scenario to to be save a cheap money. Date. Yeah. <laughs> we found someone who is proven to be the ultimate frugal dater. Proven, Naz? How can you prove such a thing? Well, let's hear it from Elspeth herself. Look, I'm very happy to say that I'm engaged. Woo! Yeah. Congratulations. Elspeth is a teacher in Melbourne, and frugal dating got her all the way to engaged. How did you meet this guy or girl or person? <laughs> Do you want to hear the meet cute? The uh, meet what? Yeah, the meet cute is like the moment in the films where they just bump into each other. Oh my god, yes, please. Well, it didn't really happen like that. <gasps> so we met on OK Cupid. Okay. Ninety-six percentage match. Ooh. Which is hot. And then exchanged messages a little bit. And I was like, yeah, let's meet up. Exchanged phone numbers. I called him, never heard back. I was like, okay, it's dead in the water. Ouch. So that's a four percent incompatibility there. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> and then a few weeks later at a market, um, there was a cute dude who was kind of looking at me. And I was like, oh, that doesn't happen. Hello. Hello. So I did like a lap of the market, came back, and he approached me and said, are you Elspeth from OKCupid? <gasps> and I said, yes. Oh, my God. Why did you never call me back? And oh, my said, God. It was him. It was him. And he <sighs> said, why didn't you call me back? What? And apparently I had given him the wrong number by one digit. Oh, my God. That's your meet cute. Yeah. So you did have a meet cute moment. That's what I do when I learn a new word. I just keep saying it over and over because I'm proud of knowing a new thing. My four-year-old does the same thing. Anyway, Elspeth says once they had each other's correct phone numbers, it was on. They dated twice a week for starters. Which, based on what we've heard, could be ridiculously expensive. <laughs> no, not if you're frugally dating, which Ooh. we exclusively do. Frugal dating doesn't sound very hot, but oh, it sounds hey. like it got you to where you wanted to be. You guys are engaged. Yeah, it's true. And I don't know if that just is a symbol of like similar values or if we're both just kind of thrifty people anyway. It wasn't like we made a decision like, hey, let's only go on cheap dates. Mm -hmm. They just all ended up being uh, quite cost effective. What are some of your best frugal dating tips that seem to work for you guys? Okay. What worked for us, to start with first date, always got to meet somewhere public. I really like park dates as a first okay. date. And that was our first date. And it can be like quite casual. If it's a third or fourth date, then if you're having a picnic date, you can kind of, you know, coordinate with who's bringing what and, right. you know. This was a first date, so I was like, you just don't know what you're going to get. So I yeah. stopped off and bought some, like, stone fruit. Stone fruit? What do you mean, like apricots? And yeah, 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 yeah. Why, why stone fruit? Because uh, it was the season and it felt like an indulgence, you oh, know? Right. Oh. It's like something really tasty and delicious and a little bit special, but ah, okay, you know, it so costs about $3.50. <laughs> that's so interesting. So, yeah, the park is free, but you've splashed out on some fancier fruit. I did, some fancy mm. fruit, not just your run-of-the-mill mandarin. And that says something about you, doesn't it, Elspeth? You're it signalling, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm not an ordinary apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like stone fruit. All right, well, where was your next date? Next date we went for a bike ride and a picnic. Oh, so, another cheap date. Mm -hmm. A bike ride. So that yeah, that doesn't cost much, but it, but what you gain is health. Yeah, you gain health, you gain some experience in nature, and you gain, like, you know, just sussing out how someone's body works in a different context. <laughs> you know? So to figure out if this person is fit enough for you. Well, look, a thing that struck me very early on 
is that like he just looks really hot standing next to a bike. You know? <laughs> just like even just waiting at the traffic lights. It's like, okay. Did you know that that was something that you needed in no, a partner? No, no, didn't know that's what I needed. But <laughs> hey, it's what we got. I like the idea of a bike ride because it's sort of a mildly competitive activity. So you can kind of see someone in that context too. Yeah, and be like, are they going to zoom off ahead mm. or are they just going to like be near me or, yeah, how's this going to work? Yeah, exactly. And are, are they going to talk about how slow you are? Are they going to, yeah. are What's they puffed dynamic? Out? Because when you're dating in those early stages, you just want to see them in as many different contexts. You want to stress test the relationship. Yeah. Well, I'm not stress test, but just... <laughs> You know, what parts of their personality emerge under different contents? Okay. Elspeth and her new love did a bunch of other excellent frugal dates, like dancing and hiking and other things which are so good and healthy and amazing that she's just making the rest of us look bad. And it went all the way to a zero-cost engagement. Zero cost! I know people who have spent thousands of dollars on flights and resorts and whatnot, all just to ask someone a question. And you can do that for free. <laughs> you want me to tell you the story? Yeah, this, uh, this sounds made up. A zero, uh, like a free, how did this, yeah, give me the yeah, detail. Yeah, we were hiking. Free. To a waterfall. Nature is free too. Nature is so free. <laughs> so we're at a beautiful waterfall and he proposed under the waterfall. And I oh. skipped all the way back to the car with my oh. head torch on because it was in the dark. Oh, that is so romantic. Now, these strategies, standing next to bikes, skipping around in the dark, etc., they worked for Elspeth, but they worked because she and her, the one, happened to share common values. They don't feel the need to get their eyebrows plucked before a date or turn up in a really fancy car. So what about the rest of us? Maybe we need to look at what we want in a partner and maybe that can tell us a bit about whether we need to blow wads of cash to get it. I talked to Associate Professor Jerry Carranzas from Deakin University's School of Psychology. By and large, people look for three broad qualities. People use all kinds of different descriptions and terms to describe these things. The first is warmth and trustworthiness, having someone who's kind, who's caring, who you can count on and have confidence in the way that they're going to behave towards you. The second is status and resources, and that's where money comes in, right? And now by that, we're not referring to, you know, the big bank account, the flashy car and the McMansion. Rather, it's the fact that people are able to have kind of a stable job. You know, they're working towards maybe, you know, some kind of acquiring some kind of resources, a house, so they can provide a kind of stable environment. The third trait or characteristic that we look for is what we call vitality and attractiveness. And people often lock in on the attractiveness part and say, oh, what you're talking about there is physical attraction and how physically attractive people are, how sexy, good-looking they are. That's one element of it, but it's not all. It also has to do with just the kind of energy, the exuberance that people have. It's that they come across as if they're healthy and full of life. Okay, three things we need. Warmth and trustworthiness, status and resources, vitality and attractiveness. I think I've got it pretty much covered. Maybe that's why I've been so lucky in love. (laughs) I'm kidding. Luck has had nothing to do with it. But where's the line between frugal and fun and cheap and crappy when it comes to dating? We asked you, the dater on the street, to find out. 
When I hear the phrase cheap date, it does have a really negative connotation. I think you can have really cheap dates that are really lovely and in fact probably better than expensive dates. But I think in terms of a cheap date, it's the person who invites you to an expensive restaurant and then wants to itemise the bill at the end of the date, that kind of thing. Unless you're just going for Maccas and dining in, I don't see that like being a cheap date because you can go out for coffee and only spend $10 and that's not necessarily a cheap date. It's not necessarily money being cheap. I think it's the effort. If you lack the effort, then um, I'll consider that a cheap date. If you're not really listening to what your partner or the person that you're dating has said that they liked or would like to do, then you haven't really put in the effort and that's just a cheap way out, I guess. Simple, low-key activities are the best for dates. Pack a picnic with food from home and meet up in a park. I've done that before. I don't know. I try to make an effort for dating. Yeah, I wouldn't cheap out on a date. That being said, if they wanted to meet at some fancy place in Paris and that was the only way that I could meet them, I'd say that was a fairly good red flag. Find a free museum or art gallery to visit together. Not only will it generally be free, but you'll have plenty to talk about as you walk through looking at all the collections. I'm a pretty easygoing guy, if I'm honest. I'm not necessarily... I don't care if you just picked me up and we went for a drive around the coast somewhere or just went for a walk along the beach. You don't actually need to spend money on a date. I think that is a big social construct that you need to spend money in order for people to like you. I think I'd prefer it if somebody took me somewhere cheap. Certainly when you're first getting to know them, I think I would really hate it if a man felt that he had to show me that he has a lot of money or spend a lot of money on me on a date to impress me in some way. In fact, I think I would almost find that less attractive. But what about scoring a date in the first place? If you don't already have a great meet-cute story, like you and your love reaching for the same baguette or being stuck in a lift together or being involved in an adorable case of mistaken identity, then there's a good chance you'll be trying to find that special person via a dating app. Some dating apps are pricey. Others are even pricier. But given 3 million Aussies use them, you know that the most popular ones tend to be free. So how do they make money if we aren't giving them our money? Well, pretty often we do just give them our money. Like an app might start off free, but then when you aren't finding what you're looking for, you start adding premium services or paying to blow kisses or be seen by more people. Then your dating app spends can really be huge. Imagine paying to blow a kiss. You can do that for free. On the train. Oh, gross. But actually, don't do that. Please. Here's marketing guru... Karen Ferry. I mean, they have to make money somehow to support it. eHarmony is a subscription model, as is like, I think, like there's some other competitor sites I feel like are much smaller, they're the same, where app sites like Tinder and Bumble are in-app purchases because they know it's a gamification, right? It's a game. The swiping is a game. It's the same as when you're playing like... Fortnite. Bejeweled, whatever, like any of those games, once you're sort of sucked into it, you just keep wanting to pay because you're like, you know what, it's two forty nine. it's just going to get me a little bit more. And so it's incremental bite-sized money that in the end of the day, you're just like, I have spent $40 this month on in-app purchases and what has it got me? Oh my God. You know what I want to say to these advertisers? Quit playing games with my heart. <laughs> my heart. All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> 
For some of the top free platforms, you can get the full gourmet dating app service for $30 a month or $50 a month, or even in one case, $90 a month. So for a year of strategic dating, we're talking from a few hundred dollars to a thousand dollars. And that's not counting if you're trying your luck on a few apps at once. So why do we do it? Here's Mel from earlier in the show. I do think if you're really time poor and you've got the money, it can make sense because if you're popping up, like I think sometimes with dating apps, because it is a numbers game, Mm. you have to spend quite a lot of time swiping and waiting. And so I do think that sometimes if there is an add-on that's going to make sense for your life to improve it, to make it quicker, then yes, absolutely. I'm really into going back to like paid dating apps Mm. because a lot of them have a lot more function in the sense of like they'll ask you quite a lot of questions about what you're looking for and so they're whittling down the pool to a kind of amount of people that are actually looking for the same things that you are and particularly if you're looking more to settle down that's like important stuff and I think paying for an app makes a lot of sense in that situation and so that's why I think I mean like you you don't need them right like you can just use the free version and you will get dates and you'll be fine But if you just want to speed up the process or you really want to, you know, yeah, like maybe you're just tired of it. Maybe you swipe past the love of your life. Yeah, and you just want to use that rewind button $6.99 to find your soulmate. (laughs) Yeah. And then you write to them and you're like, did you know you're my soulmate? They're like, I don't know who you are. I paid to find you. (laughs) I paid to find you. That's the next card that you can give someone. (laughs) I paid to find you. So maybe frugal use of dating apps isn't about only using the free services. It's about using the apps thoughtfully to save yourself some time, some money, and maybe some pain in the long run. And if you pay for a few months of a dating app and it helps you zero in on the one without spending countless evenings in pubs with someone else's the one, that's a saving, right? I think that's it. Like money, it shouldn't be about money. It should yes. be like, doesn't matter if you're going on the most expensive, like if you're going on a bloody super yacht, you know, or if you're going like just to the park. I think it's about the thought that goes into it and sharing an experience with someone or, or sharing time together that matters. I mean, that sounds so like no, clinical. But that's, but isn't that, <laughs> well, that's what it's about, isn't it? You just want to try and connect with someone and fall in love so then you can stop spending money on dates. Yes. The best for me, I love the bit when you're dating somebody and then you get through all the date bits and then you can both happily oh. just spend time at home. Grad- graduate to <laughs> the next the stage. Best. <laughs> and the then start saving. Are rare. <laughs> For those of you striving to be more frugal, to spend less money on things that don't really make you happy and more money on things which do, this is good news. Finding love doesn't need to cost a bomb. In fact, quite the opposite. Here's Jerry Carranzas. So it has nothing to do with the topic of money. It would be ridiculous to be saying that that's where all roads lead. In fact, far from the opposite. The abundance of research that we have in our field and the major theories that guide what we know about relationships is that we all have a need to feel love, comforted and secure. Without that, you can throw all the money you want at people. It doesn't mean that it will ever make up for those core human needs. There's an academic that has been quoted as saying, my love don't cost a thing. I think Professor Lopez, do you have any counter Oh, really? Love don't cost a thing? Her love doesn't cost a thing. (laughs) Well, it depends on what she means by cost. It certainly takes effort and energy and investments, Mm. but it sure doesn't need to have a lot of money assigned to it. 
So, to summarise for you lovebirds, here are my top tips to become a frugal dater, whilst also an amazing dater. Communicate. Chances are both you and the person you're dating are stressing out about how much it's all costing you. So get ahead of that and talk it over. Get outdoors. Picnics, hiking, cheese, wine in the park. There's an immediate saving the second you step outside. Bonus points if you cook something for your date. It shows off your skills and shows you care. Be creative. Listen to what your dating partner is into and tailor a date around that. The generic posh restaurant dinner date can be expensive, and let's face it, it's been done to death. And it's not really the best place to get to know someone. Paying for dating apps can actually be an investment. If it means that you're protecting your time and increasing your chances of finding a match sooner. Remember, money isn't everything. Kanye should really change his lyrics to, I ain't saying she a gold digger because she values warmth and trustworthiness. And if all else fails, head to your local petrol station. Who knows? They might be discounting stale donuts. Romantic. Thanks for listening. I hope you think of me and the Pineapple Project on your next date. Make sure you check out Mel Mason's dating podcast, Jeans and a Nice Top. The Pineapple Project was produced by ABC Audio Studios. This season was presented by me, Nazim Hussain, and produced by Dylan Saville and Maybell Lynn. The supervising producer was James Milsom. Executive producers were Monique Bowley and Kyla Slavin, and our sound engineering was done by Tim Simons and Kerry Dell. If you want to hear a couple of bonus extended interviews from this series, head to the ABC Listen app. I had a great chat with a king of meal prepping who's got these really cheap and tasty meals down to a very fine art. And also, extended chats with Nat Demina and Marty Smiley who've managed to decorate most of their house with secondhand and free stuff. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app. I'm Louisa Lim. I think you're going to love my new podcast. It's called The King of Kowloon and it's the story of a Hong Kong graffiti vandal and of the city itself. He's the king, he's the king. Yes, he's the king. He was completely mad, completely bonkers. He was incoherent. He was certifiable. There's a piece of memories within all of us. For my generation, we all had a piece of him in our mind. He wrote of dispossession when no one else did. He became a celebrity artist, a fashion inspiration, a muse, and then a most unusual icon. When the city exploded in protest, its people did what their king had done, covering the city's walls again with protest calligraphy. The city was in a fight for its life. You can hear it by searching for The King of Kowloon on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.